0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan back at the charlotte nbc sports studios where we used to do nascar american motor routes, and where i still do the podcast but i don't normally do it in person except <laughs> when new charlotte resident parker kligerman is in town the last time i did this was right after the 2022 season parker stopped by we talked about phoenix we talked about his upcoming xfinity season here in 2023 and now he has returned and is in person because you live, what did you say, like a half mile a here?
1: Ha- 0.6 miles, b- according to the maps, uh, right
0: over here in South End. Live is,
1: is a stretch. It's a crash pad. <laughs>
0: you're like a flight attendant. <laughs> you. I, I'm literally like a consultant,
1: that's <laughs> what I like to say. Because I'm like, I was like, there's nothing in there but a bed and a carpet right now.
0: That's perfect. That's that's all you need, <laughs> really, you need. when you're living the NASCAR lifestyle, which you clearly are this year. Uh, you're running full-time in the x Series, which is why you are now living in the South End of Charlotte. And we talked about that last year the podcast. We're going to get to all that. I want to talk about how your season's going uh, with the big machine team. But before we get to all that, this is the NASCAR NBC podcast, So we normally do talk the previous cup race. We are taping this on Tuesday, so the window is somewhat closed on uh, Talking Phoenix, but I just wanted to put a bow on it because that's what we do here. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel, and check out Parker talking with Jeff Burton and Marty Snyder about the Phoenix race in our Motormouths videos this week. But William Byron wins this race, back to back wins for him. And you talked about this on those videos, but you've been impressed by his composure, his confidence. We all know that this guy has elite talent. He's a championship level contender, but as you said, he's kind of been developing in front of our eyes now for, I mean, it's hard to believe this is season six for My him. Goodness. I know, talking about, I mean, I just He's got a long (laughs) career ahead I feel old enough having just turned 50 But when I think about William Byron being in his sixth cup season It's almost depressing, but yeah um, (laughs) You've talked about this before Confidence really matters It's Mm -hmm. like this nebulous thing, Mm -hmm. and he's clearly got it
1: It's the ultimate currency for race car drivers Yeah Like, aside from actual money So we like to make that joke, right? (laughs) But it's the other form of money in racing And this game is so mental this is not dissimilar to golfers in that we as race car drivers are our own biggest enemy and our biggest you know whole thing to hold us back and also our biggest opportunity. And right. like what I mean by that is it's all mental and so confidence is a huge part of that, right? And it's not you know false confidence can be as I think Jeff Burton put it arrogance almost, right? Right. But true confidence, when you have a belief in your processes, your systems, with your preparation, all those things, and then you can go and use that to execute on the given moment in front of you, whether it's in a restart or just do out a whole race, whatever, right? That's where true confidence comes from. And William Byron, to me, you're seeing that level of confidence right now. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you look at the past couple seasons, he has obviously won races. He has been in position to be a championship contender at times, but there's been peaks and valleys, lulls and, you know, high points. And I think some of that, you you know, just talking to him and just talking to the people around him, some of those lulls were, you know, there was kind of like, a what am I doing wrong? You know, what's, how do I fix this? Like not knowing. And what I saw just in these first two races, now, you know, last week at Vegas, you know, they obviously had some of the fastest cars, Hendrick Motorsports, the Chevys are fast. But then at Phoenix... What was really impressive to me is that he obviously had the fa- one of the fastest cars to start. Hammy Larson, he falls behind. They go through this lull period, almost like a microcosm of a season from William Byron in the past. Yeah. goes through this lull period, and then was given the opportunity to strike, and you know made it happen. It doesn't get you know doesn't lose composure, doesn't get let emotion seep in that sort of thing. And he, and Rudy Fugel have worked so hard on him. You know, at times when you listen to them talk about what they've focused on over the last two years, three years, it's been him. And yeah. like, think about him going racing short track stuff like he's been doing. That's been an incredible investment by him in time, effort, money, to just go race cars. Because we as drivers do not race cars. Like we don't drive cars right now. Like in the, this whole sport, from Formula One to I guess sports cars are a little different. They do a lot of testing, but in, from the top levels, Formula One in NASCAR, we've done this whole you know this idea of cost cutting and getting away from driving the cars because it's too expensive. So we do everything in simulators, right? And So it's up to the drivers now to go and drive race cars. And I just think it's very cool what he's done and going winning all the late mile races and just racing and, and investing in himself because, at the end of the day, this is such a mental game. So that's what impressed me.
0: His ability to manage emotions, Parker. Like, when I think of William Byron, I would never think of a guy who's all that emotional. I mean, you think of, like, yep. just even-keel, like, very laid-back kid. But when you're behind the wheel and your heart's beating 200 beats a minute, I guess it doesn't matter who you are. You've you got to, like, learn to manage all that. Yeah, I think it, even, you know, Denny
1: Hamlin, who has the the rest the heart rate during racing right. of, like, a dead person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't. Really, I still. I talked to someone on his team the other day. I was like, I still don't believe that. I don't know. I gotta find. Talk to Danny about that. He's
0: messing ones. with his whoop data. Or yeah, whatever. I don't yeah. know. I don't know.
1: Everyone else, like Deore Legato's on the broadcast, be like, yeah, I'm 180. Like, I look at mine. Like, I average like 100. If I'm wearing a cool suit, around 135. If I'm not wearing a cool suit, it's around 145, 148. Uh, peaks at like 170, to 180, depending on the day. And so, like, that's just sort of a note. So when I see Denny's heart rate, I'm like, that's ridiculous. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it, it might be true because he's an incredible athlete. But the thing with William, yeah, I know, I know he's not a very emotional person. But I've, I've listened to his radio at times. Yeah, he and, does get And, you know, there's, little... there's, there's been over the last couple of seasons, I've had that, you know, just like you, been that fly-in-the-wall sort of situation over the last couple of years of being able to listen to his radio and cover him and Rudy. And, you know, there's, there's moments, and that's normal. Like, you're a competitor. You're firing. You're going to want the best and do those things. And when it's going wrong, it's, it can overcome you in some respects, right? The emotions can overcome you. So I think that's, that's all part of the building process is trying to find those moments and not let them seep in. And that's what I think he did at Phoenix. That's what was impressive.
0: And he did it by managing those final two restarts, which obviously were a big part of the equation. I mean, restarts are always important at the end oh of a cup yeah. race, but especially <laughs> in this instance where everybody's talking about it's so difficult to pass on this particular day, and overtime, green-white checkered, it always just comes down to lane management or like that.
1: It uh, You know, there's an element of luck in there. The, yeah. the choose rule has changed that a little bit. We have a little bit more of control of your destiny. But then I also think we've added so much this is going to sound odd. We've added so much ability to decide that it then goes back to being a little bit of a luck thing <laughs> because it's like everyone's going in a different direction. You can't control what they do. Like you go to yeah. the high side because all the stuff tells you, and then three people decide they want to go to the bottom. Like And yeah. it changes the whole structure of the, of the lanes. And you're like, well, everything told me to do that. And now the decision of other humans, which I can't control, has just totally changed the situation I'm in in this restart. But, yeah, he had excellent restarts. That's a huge part of the game. Restarts are a really interesting part of modern day motorsports in that you know you don't have many series that experience obviously the amount of restarts that we do. The restarts are huge opportunities and massive opportunities also for failure, and it can all happen in a split second. You know just to see two sides of the coin there. William Byron nails it right, beats Kyle Larson side by side, pretty epic situation there in restarting. Harvick does not. Get the good restart. Doesn't clear. Get to the bottom. Lets the 45 do his inside on that second to last restart. That puts him in the middle on the t- part of the track that has all the rubber on it. He's not able to use his new tires down where Reddick does on the apron where there's no rubber, and so you just have a huge grip advantage. He gets boxed in. So then he's in a terrible position for the last restart, and that's how you know he doesn't lo- win that race. Reddick gets an opportunity to almost win it. That's the two sides of restarting in modern-day NASCAR, and your whole, all the effort, the weeks of preparation for that race, the, the going through the whole race, leading by a couple seconds for Kevin Harvick comes down to literally... Going through the gears and not and not clearing the forty five there by a couple inches to be able to go to the inside. Uh,
0: highly unusual for him. I mean, Harvick's a really good. I mean, that happens what one out of every ten times. Harvick's gonna have a bad restart. Like I don't,
1: that? you know, I don't know the numbers on that, but I I just think they're just hard, right? They're just really it's tons of fine details and things that have to play out your way to make yeah. it work or not work. No matter how much homework you do, and ever it comes down to like having to actually execute. It's it's a golfer having to swing the club, you know, on the tee box. Like it's just you got to do it. There's a million ways for it to go wrong when I see a restart go wrong like Redick said you know his restart wasn't the best on the last one he should have been right behind the 24 and I'm like like if I if I was on that team you know not in the driver capacity I'd be like okay but we were in position yeah like you know like yeah. that's there's only so much you can control the, the guy launches a little lurch you have a yeah. moment hiccup in the motor whatever. It's like that, you you can't control that stuff. You just have to put yourself in position and hope it goes right.
0: And there were some drivers, a lot of drivers actually, (laughs) were saying that uh, the cars were harder to drive, but it wasn't necessarily easier to pass. William Byron was, was somebody who said that. So... All the talk coming in this race, Parker, was about the debut of this new low downforce package. Uh, we heard Jeff Burton say it, maybe the lowest amount of downforce that cup drivers have had in 30 years. Wow. I was talking with our friend Jeff Gluck after the race that we were kind of joking about. Like, it almost felt like there was almost too much focus put on this. <laughs> like, I almost wanted to send out a tweet being John Malkovich style, like, low downforce, low downforce, low downforce, low <laughs> downforce. It was just, like all everybody was talking about before the race. Uh, it was still being talked about after the race. You're a driver. What did you make of this debut of new low down force package? I know Phoenix is always hard to pass, yeah. but it seems like it didn't quite achieve what they had hoped in terms of passing. Cars were harder to drive, but they were still not necessarily easier to pass.
1: You know, I don't know. I mean, they'll have numbers and such and that sort of thing. But I don't know. Like, when I watched the race from a year ago, that place, like, there was no way to pass. <laughs> like, yeah. The cars aren't yeah. moving around, and it was like track position was king. This one, I mean, at least the cars moved around and it rewarded. You know, it looked a little old-fashioned and having Larson lead by a couple seconds, and then Harvick has a better long run and takes care of his right rear tire, and, and he ends up driving away by a couple seconds. and slide, But you could see his car wiggling around, and he was doing his amazing – discipline, you know, ability to be so disciplined on hitting the same point on the racetrack on the bottom and wrap a line like he does so well. And I just was like, okay, like, that's stock car racing. Cool. Like, awesome. That's that's what we want to see. And, like, you know, for me, passing and all that stuff, I, I don't know. It's I always think it's so – you know, it's objective, right? Like, well, subjective. Subjective, Next, sorry. sorry. That's sorry. what I mean. Subjective. That's, I was like, all right, I, I got, I got start, a 50 50 start. chance you're getting this right, and I went the wrong way. It's morning. It's early. I'm it's drinking like coffee. It's like a restart. Yeah. yeah, it's like a restart. I had a chance, <laughs> and I screwed it up. But no, I, I, I guess I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is I've sort of, especially in the last year or so, two years, just gotten away from trying to judge racing, right? right. Like Jeff Burton said yesterday, he, was, he watched me say the same thing. <laughs> Where I was like, "What do you define? You know, like, where do you define good racing? Is it as a driver, you like to see the cars slipping, side around? If you're a fan, a casual fan, do you want to see 18 wide and on fire, upside down? Yeah. I mean, there's this, you know, this huge spectrum of a, what's good racing. All I know is, the NASCAR Cup Series racing product in 2023 is exceptional as a as a motorsport as a Entity, to me, it is a sitting giant in the world of sports. When we see what's happening with Formula One and its popularity right now, when you see what's happening with some of these niche weird sports that are gaining popularity, I'm like, if we can get people to just care what's happening out there, I don't even, you don't even have to worry about the product. The product's amazing. It's in the best spot it will ever be. It, you can tweak from here, but that's not going to move the needle. We now have to get people to care. And because the more eyes and the more people you get to care and think this thing is cool, you know, it's in an incredible spot with how close the field is, the amount of parity. I know it's a little bit less parity right now, the Chevys winning, but I'm telling you, it's it's unbelievable.
0: I want to touch on the parity because that was uh, one more thing that we discussed last time we were here in November. You made this really good point about, because we were coming off this season of what, how many different winners last year? Twen- 9- 20? Do we have 20 or 19? There's what did, did we end up at? Nineteen. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like it was twenty. I think it was. was did it get to be low twenties? Because the the playoff started with three new winners. Let's look it up. <laughs> NASCAR Cup winners twenty twenty two. Hold on, I'm looking yeah. it up. Okay. There was NASCAR. Just is you, I
1: think you wrote this. No, that'd I be definitely hilarious. didn't write it. It was probably Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen different winners. Nineteen different ties winners. the record okay. for the most different winners in a single season. Tying the record. Okay,
0: so we we talked about this, and you said something in the effect of that. I don't know if it's necessarily the trend will continue because, you know, we always see it, you know, the empire strikes back, the big teams mm-hmm. will figure things out, and it seems like the 2023 season has started very much in that vein with Hendrick Motorsports, everybody would agree, the best team in NASCAR, yep. won the past two races, they have been on it despite the fact that NASCAR now has taken some parts, which, by the way, we're taping this before, we know we'll what comes out of that, I mean, God knows, it didn't seem to certainly affect them in, at Phoenix, but... Has it unfolded kind of the way you were expecting there where you thought this would be sort of like revenge of the powerhouse teams and Kendrick is killing it so far?
1: Yeah, I mean a little bit. I felt like there would be some equilibrium, you know, that comes back in that sense. Yeah. You don't have the the craziness of last year where everyone's just trying to figure out how this car works and what that and you know, random teams are gonna hit it. And it goes back to like the old car where if you look in the early two thousands there was that perception of like anyone can win on any given day. Joe Nemechek... You know, or 32nd place car might go win a race or win the pole, and it gives this perception that anyone could win, right? And if you look back then, the reason being was that if the best team in the sport nailed everything they knew how to do on the car, they were probably at, like, say, 90% of the car's potential, right? As technology came into the mid-2000s and into where we are now, in the old car, teams like Kendrick Motorsports could get 100% of that car's potential at any given time. Whereas the smaller teams could still only get to the top 90. so you don't get where they, you know, there's this huge buffer zone of being able to get the potential out of the race car. If that makes sense, yeah, That makes sense. It's a yeah. little bit scientific, but um, I think with this car, you know, last year was an example of a lot of teams were working in, you know, the best they could do is 90 percentile, right? Well, I'm like, like this is all we know how to do this thing. That's going to change, and naturally that gap is going to close. But the other part to that that's interesting to me that we haven't really experienced is there should be like a natural ceiling right yeah where sure Hendrick Motorsports, Motorsports knows it now but does that mean in 8 6 months that everyone else figures out the same stuff or Chevy has this figured out and then a couple months the other manufacturers figure it out that so the equilibrium comes back like the, you know it co- and so they all maybe eventually rise to 100% of the potential but then everyone's at 100% of the potential and we're back where we were probably a year ago so i think yes but i also would pay attention to the manufacturer side i think the manufacturers have a inc- are an increasing I know they have an increasing importance in way that NASCAR is going in terms of design and in terms of how the the structure behind the scenes is all working. And, you know, this has been a trend over the last couple of years. And you see it on the driver development programs and all that's happening. They have an incredible amount of influence. So, you know, seeing Chevy win four races, do we go three months and suddenly Ford wins four races and Toyota's win four. You know, like that's yeah. I could see that being a trend.
0: Well, that is the 2023 Cup season to date through four races. I feel like we've covered that fairly well. And Mm -hmm. enough about NASCAR's Premier Series. Let's talk about Parker Kligerman. Uh Uh-oh. And the 2023 Xfinity Series. So first four races, 23rd at Daytona, 10th at Fontana, 11th at Las Vegas, 15th at Phoenix in a backup car, 12th in points, eventful, (laughs) <laughs> certainly. Uh, some moments, flashes of brilliance. Your team certainly has shown the ability to run up front. Unfortunately, yep. some things, some drivers have affected those outcomes. Myself, uh, personally. Y- yeah. Daytona, I know yep. that you took a lot of the, the heat and the blame there. But, yeah, give us uh, the rundown of how it's gone so far.
1: Well, Daytona hit everything but the pace car. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, Namely well. Jeffrey Earnhardt. Namely Jeffrey Earnhardt. Cleared myself. That was awesome. That, that, that didn't get any public to see at all. Uh, hey, I I said so, and I was like, well, they know we're here. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, First race, hey, I'm back. Back with a splash. Let's go. Uh, team had an incredible fast car. We qualified in the front row there, which was awesome, and really cool for big machine racing, and just, you know, this shows the competence of our race team, and the speed that we can bring to the racetrack, and then, yeah, we went to California, no practice, no qualifying, started somewhere in the teens, and immediately... On the first lap, I was like, oh, baby, here we go. And I was like, this is why I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> this thing it was pretty quick. We drove into the top 10. We actually finished the top 10 on old tires at the end of the stage. A lot of guys on new tires. That was pretty cool. We got fifth in stage two. Had a bad run at the end where I over-adjusted to the tight side for us. Um, learned my Xfinity car stuff. And then we went to Vegas, and I was – I had prepped like really hard for vegas and auto club and using simulators and we've been doing similar stuff since november and then some of these other preparation tools i've been incorporating and we went there and in practice we were like p4 right off the truck and i'm like let's go <laughs> let's go <laughs> same cars auto club felt like i knew the cars better qualified six and we get in the race and three laps and we get spun out by john hunter nimichek and, and that put us behind we had to fight back we ended up Putting ourselves in pretty good position late in the race. We were really fast and we had a, a long pit stop on our green flag stop. So that made us finish 11th instead of probably finishing eighth or ninth. So that would have been two top tens, which would have been nice. And then Phoenix, this was a place I started working on in November last year. So literally, for, I went to the team, I circled three or four tracks where I was like, these places, I don't know why, but I need to be better. Or I haven't been there in a while. you know. At 10 years, whatever. Like Auto Club, last time I raced there was 2014 Cup. Like, <laughs> but it felt the same. The thing, though, is like I looked at these tracks, and Phoenix was one of them. And the best part about that is I looked back at my history, and like was very fast at Phoenix the first time I went there. It was very fast at Xfinity. Finished well, all these things. But for some reason, I had this idea that I just wasn't good there. So went to work on it. We showed up, and in practice, right off the track. I, I did almost a 1,000 laps in the simulator last week between Cup and Xfinity, uh, helping out the RCR team with some of their prep as well. Uh, learned some things from Kyle Bush that I applied, whatever, and it all came together in practice. And I was like, oh, we're p t- 10 on the board, top five on average. Let's go qualify well and let's go run in the top five. Maybe we have a shot at this thing. And went off into qualifying, had a little issue with the break into three, felt it was really soft. Tap pumped it up down the straightaway, went off into one, hit the break. It was there for a second, then it went to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and went into the wall I was like, oh my goodness yeah. So that put us behind My team did a miraculous job They built the car in two hours Essentially Set it up in about four minutes Made it through tech We were adjusting things on the grid And we hopped in And we drove that thing up Into the eighth place at one point Towards the end of the race And had a shot at top ten Which was awesome So not the start Not the storybook start You're looking for Right? But not like we're out in left field You know, my crew chief And I sat down yesterday And I was like look We've got speed. In those at Vegas and Auto Club, we ranked about tenth on average speed, which is about two tenths off the liter. But about running in clean air, you know, minus half a tenth to a tenth, like we're there. And I just sat there and was like, You I have not been in a car that on average is within two tenths of the fastest car in the series. I don't know if in ten years. So I was like, <laughs> just give trust me, we're gonna be great. Just keep give me that, and we'll be fine. We're gonna win races. So I've got that level of confidence. It's not arrogance. It's confidence because I know the level of preparation that I'm putting behind this, and you know, and the level of dedication, and and just knowing, you know, looking a little bit at my past of just being like, man, you have done more with a lot less. So it's a lot to take on. There's a lot of stuff being thrown my way in terms of resources and and tools that I'm trying to sort of take in at the right pace and the right time. But we talk about confidence. Obviously, I came in the season with a lot of confidence because the last two years have been just insane for me in terms of performance. And races going well, and just not in anything I stepped in, I felt like I could make anything happen. You have a couple races that doesn't go quite as well as you hope, and like that's where you have to be like, all right, that's right, this is how it goes. You know right. it's long season, don't get
0: down, you're not gonna have thirty four perfect races. you're not gonna have thirty four right. yeah.
1: perfect races, like you gotta stick with it. Um, and it's good because there's built, you know, there's silver linings in this where there's things that we are learning as a team about me, about the cars, about stuff we can do better that are, you know, and as long as it's, you're not in a disaster, which we're not, we're 12th in points, 10 out of eighth or ever, you know, we're in a, we're in a fine position. So it's cool. We're in a great place, but it, the confidence thing is like you, you start to go down the path and it's like, well, wait, 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 remember you have really fast cars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest Very thing fast. usually. So, yeah. uh, pretty cool. Um, my owner Scott Borschetta is very supportive. He was pumped when we got that top ten at all club, pumped when we were on the front row at Daytona and you know, just knows we're in the fight. I keep saying that and I keep posting we're in the game, but we are. Like we're and I know this because a lot of the guys who I would consider friends for the last couple of years are doing TV, and on the pit reporting side, won't speak to me anymore. So we must be
0: a <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Where do I want to start? Yeah, um, so I just rambled for one No, but. no, as usual is a great answer. And <laughs> leave me like mouth agape, like trying to go back and think of like, okay, I want to follow up on this, this, and this. Let's go back to, and we talked about this before we started recording here, that your team is how would you describe it? Sort of like mid-level? Uh, we're like a young team. Young team. Young team, um, that's what I like to say. certainly not on the same level as like a, a Gibbs Xfinity no. team that you're competing against. But we talked about this the last time you were here on the podcast that you've got so many, many more tools, resources at your disposal now than the last time you ran full-time Xfinity mm-hmm. in 2013. But you kind of just touched on it there. It's like almost... I hate the cliche drinking through a fire hose, but yeah. is that sort of uh, what applies here with your team? Like you, you almost don't know h- how yet to sort of maximize, like you've got so many things available to you through the alliance with Childress and everything mm-hmm. like that, but, and GM racing and Chevy, but like, how do we do this the most efficient way possible and maintain that speed?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And we, you know, there's probably more available than we can even har- you know use. Right. At times, right. Right. So, that, that's where we just have to be really smart racers in no using Patrick Donahue's knowledge and my experience to sort of decide what is and isn't important because that's what our job is right now. When you have a younger team, and I say younger just because it's their third year, right? And even, I don't care if you, you know, waltz on into Joe Gibbs Racing or Rich Chilers and you buy everything or whatever, like there's still a process of your people and your team and how it functions and how those people use the tools at hand and all those things and that's what we're building so you know it's it's in a really cool spot I I would say before the season I expect us to be about the start of the year about the 10th best team and exactly where we were right and that's a little bit of just looking at the landscape of where things are at Um, I think that's us beating two or three teams we probably if you looked at the numbers and everything you would say no they should be faster than us but they're not so we're doing our job the, the resources and the tools thing is really fascinating because it's so different than what it was 10 years ago, and there's so much more available. And it is it is absolutely a seven-day-a-week job right now in terms of if you're a guy in my position who isn't maybe a part of one of those programs or whatever that, that does a lot of the work for the drivers, it means I've got to work doubly as hard to make sure that I'm using my processes and preparation correct and... That I'm using the tools effectively and I'm laying them in at the right speed, right, and not overwhelming myself. So that is uh, that's been a, not a challenge; it's been an, a cool thing to do, right? And it's been fun. And I I get to s- I like was in a our competition competition meeting yesterday, and I was just like, huh, this is awesome!" It's <laughs> like this is so cool. This is the way it's supposed There's, to go. I was yeah. like, "There's a lot of egos in this room, but this yeah. is really cool." So uh, I, I just it's just. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I've gotten to be on the outside, right? Which is, I, some would look at as a detriment, but I'm like, that is, it's an opportunity because I've gotten to see what all this is like from the outside and sort of be, you know, shoved out, per se. But then to get brought back in and see it again and be immersed in it, it's been a really cool experience in that sense.
0: Who else is in those competition meetings on Monday?
1: The RCR group. Okay. Uh,
0: and then Colleague as well. So,
1: yeah, we, um, it's just cool.
0: It's uh, it's a drivers end, Yeah, okay. yeah. So Kyle Busch, yeah. he wasn't there. He wasn't there. Okay, no. Right. But
1: Austin Hill, Sheldon Creed, uh, we work really closely with them. Got gotcha. sure. Okay. Um, and you know they're they're a great group, and obviously Austin Hill is on a heater right now. He's done a, a great job in the 6 Fanny Series, adapting to it. You know, I felt like uh, I said, and I'll say this straight to his face, like when we raced trucks. You know, I knew he was he was good, but I don't know if I was like that's the guy that we're gonna all have to beat every week and in this series right now, he's on it and it's pretty cool to see and it's cool to be in a room listening to him and like, Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't think you know, that's that's interesting, cool. So I like that. I like, all right. I know you know, that's that's where we have to go and we get to be flying the wall of that room and it's very cool.
0: Now is there a level Parker, like where you almost have to throttle back on yourself a little bit. Like when you're talking about like the Monday through Thursday after Vegas, you're running a thousand laps on the simulator, <laughs> Xfinity and Cup to try to get ready for Phoenix and try to find like those. You mean like two go have tents. a life or something? Well, I, I I guess that's sort of what I'm asking is like, do, no? I mean, like at this point in your life, it's just like, <sighs> I'm just going to do a thousand laps every week if that's what it takes on a simulator.
1: Man, I made a pact of myself when we decided to do this where I was like, I don't want to have if i turn around in 10 months and this you know no matter what happens i want to turn around in november and go there was literally not a single thing that i could have done different or better or would have right that's been my pact to myself from day 1 getting a place down here being fully immersed you know my girlfriend's going to stay up in connecticut she's we haven't seen each other in a month and a half that's my dedication level to this because i just want to win so bad and I want to prove, you know, that I deserve to be here, that I have what it takes to be here. And I know I do, but it's just going out there and executing on that. And I, I think the opportunity to me isn't just to prove, like, one win. I'm like, I want to go put us in a position where people, when we turn around in November, we're in position to be a championship four team. That's my goal. And I think it's attainable. And it's, you know, I think if I do that and win multiple races, the rest will figure itself out. But, no, I have never in my life which is probably why I had a little lull in my time of driving. <laughs> Immersed myself and put applied myself to the level I am right now. So it's, oh, and there's like a scariness there, right? There's right. Like, because, like, I don't know if I've ever done that in anything. No offense. Sorry, NBC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, like, I don't know if I've ever done that in anything and had such a singular focus on one thing and one goal, but. And that's a scary place to be when you're someone who's like me with, you know, think of all the things I multi and all this stuff. But I never felt like I was doing anything to the best level I possibly could. Yeah. Right now, it's like this is the only thing that exists in the world, and it's all I care about. So if it takes a 1,000 laps in a simulator each week or, you know, to be a, stuck in there for 20 hours of the week and be seven days a week of tape and film and sheets and, you know, averages and, and so on and so forth, then that's if – if that's what it takes, then I'm ready to do it right now. And I just because
0: I want to win, and everybody around you just sort of understands that. Like you know, Shanny, your girlfriend, who yep. you said you haven't seen her in a month and a half, <laughs> like she just understands. Like that's the way twenty twenty three is going to be, and she's going to be she and everybody else in your inner circle. Like the way they're going to support you is to keep your chin up after you have tough weekends. But 100%. they're not going to tell you, "Hey, ma- maybe take some more time for yourself." No, no, <laughs> like, no. I'm it's, full, all in this year. They're
1: all you know, and that's a great point. You know, that's one thing. I think when I look back, like, I didn't lean on support systems and that sort of stuff. And you, it's really important. You hear drivers talk about it all the time. But, yeah, even just one tough weekend can spiral you out of, like, man, what's going on? Like, blah, blah, blah. And you need those people to have outside perspective to be like, hey, actually, this is where you're really at. Like, this isn't so bad. And, you know, I, I think that's just really important. And she's been huge with that. And, uh, you know, I think, yes, to that point, my family, everyone knows, just don't even – you know, this is it. This is everything. Like, there's nothing else right now. And it's it's all that matters. And it's it's going to consume me for the next eight months, whatever's left in this season. And I love that. Like, I'm down for it. And, to like, you know, go have a life. Like, I don't care. I don't want one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just right. want to do this. Life. Yeah. This is life. So by, my other thing to myself was like, okay, so you turn around a year and it's either worked or it didn't. Like, what did you lose? Nothing. Like if anything, there's only upside, so just go after it. So Phoenix is
0: probably a top five car going. Yeah, the
1: primary. We were tenth in speed charts, fifth on average. Okay. We'd worked really hard on that one. That that's one that hurts a lot because I I wanted you know I put a lot of focus and being better there. It's a very important racetrack because the championship is there, and to go and have the issues we did not qualify and, and lose the primary was 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 a beat down, but it was cool to see my team rally the way they did. I think we learned something. There were some silver linings there that will make us actually better prepared in the future. And I think, you know, that's what you got to take from moments like that. And then our fight back in the race with the backup car that got set up in four minutes. Part of my thing to my crew chief, Patrick Donahue, is I said, all right, that's the worst we can be. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> think about it for a second. Yeah. We can't be worse than what we were there because we set that car up in four minutes. It is not nearly as good as our primary car. We were running eighth with, like, 20 to go. I was like, so let's just start there. Yeah. If that's
0: the worst we can be. The worst we can be is 20 <laughs> spots ahead of last in the field or yeah. whatever. That's pretty good. Yeah. We're in a fine spot. So,
1: yeah. you know, that's, that's the opportunity as well. And, you know, it's, it's about finding those silver linings for this right now. But long season ahead. Lots of great tracks for us. Atlanta this weekend. feel like we could go win. Coda. You know I think we can go win that. I'm doing trucks and, and Xfinity on the same weekend there, the same day. So that will be another crazy psychotic uh double that I did last year, which was five and a half hours in a car. Yeah, <laughs> Which yeah. was insane. So <laughs> I uh looking forward to doing that one again. Been working out a ton. So ready for that. But yeah, I just I look ahead and I'm like, all right, there's just so much opportunity and I know people hear that and they're like, "Oh, how cliche!" NASCAR driver thinks there's opportunity, but like, really, man, I just like Phoenix when we were that quick. I'm like, "Okay, we're gonna have no weaknesses in terms of tracks because that would have been the only other one might be a Richmond or something." But I just what, the way we ran there, I was like, "We're gonna be fine."
0: And is that just one of those fluky things that's just gonna happen a few times? The break thing in qualifying is that just something that happens every once in a no. while? No, no, okay. Um, it's
1: I yeah, I think it's I've had a little issue. with there's stuff as race drivers like where you get to you know you could basically take a car and run in the top 10 no matter what, you know, if it's in the right speed or whatever, but no matter what's going on. There's fine-tuning stuff okay. for you that you need feel-wise that gets you to the top five in the first, right? There were some things I was looking for and I think a little unsure about the, the set-bar brakes. And so, you know, I look back at that. There's some telltale signs in practice that I should have been more vocal about with the brake issue, especially down into turn three on the outlap that probably could have decided to maybe – Abort. That's hard to say, right? But if you know, if being fair, I think that's something to say. Like, hey, I think there's an issue here. Yeah. Uh, especially of all my years of experience to kind of have spoken up there. But was tr- you know, I've been very open-minded. You know, one thing I think with the drivers that you see in the sport is they sometimes guys are not successful because they pigeonhole themselves into sort of a box of this is how I like things to feel. This is what I want to do. Blah blah. When I went into this season especially starting back in November I tried really really hard to be like open up that window whether that's being loose on entry or dealing with the car doing one other thing or a you know steering box feel that's different than what you've liked in the past or brake feel like my thought process going into this year was like just be super open-minded especially at the beginning and then refine from there right um and early on i've seen it where i've just you know i've really opened up my window of allowing the car to be loose on entry and not bothered. it's not anything i really talk about mentally programmed myself to be like when the car wiggles on entry just deal with it who cares you know, just drive through it and find ways and, and change this and do that and so that has been a big prerogative of mine and you know that played a little bit into why i probably wasn't so vocal the Issues we were having, and then obviously we had the big issue in qualifying.
0: Man, such a balance to like try to figure out like, (laughs) do I want to go this direction or this direction? Speak (laughs) up here, speak up there. That's interesting. All right, so not to dwell on the negative, but I just got to ask you about Vegas because again, like I watched this uh, vlog, which I recommend everybody go check out Parker's. YouTube channel P. Kligerman, I think, is yeah. the uh, yeah. the channel. Your sister Madeline, was, <laughs> she there was the videographer in Vegas. So we've had yeah. we had
1: a rotating cast. We had my PR guy at Daytona and whatever. <laughs> he then uh, unfortunately left us. He had, well, for him, he had an opportunity he wanted to pursue. So then it was uh, Madeline who who jumped in. My sister for Auto Club and Vegas, <laughs> Phoenix. We had my crew chief's daughter was the the videographer that you'll see this week, and okay. then. Atlanta. I don't know what we're doing, so we'll figure it out. Right. it's a week by week thing. It's
0: it's working out. I mean, yeah. I thought that one did a really good but job.
1: My point being, we're trying to. <laughs> this started in the off season. I felt like it'd be a really cool story to see. You yeah. Be trying to go through this, and so I know there's not as much midweek content, maybe as they'd like of all the other stuff I'm doing. But it's really hard for me to film, honestly, as often. But at least we're doing the weekends, and so you kind of get an update. And so it's almost an episodic weekend by weekend. And uh, at the end of the year, we we'll hope there'll be as I'm doing what 44 races 45 races this year but combined like there'll be about 40 of them so, okay yeah
0: well like i said vegas was really good i think you said you. it was maybe your you felt like one of the best ones i thought it was the so best far. one aj yeah. our editor nailed it yeah so, okay yeah. yeah you get to learn about the angels and airwaves <laughs> uh parker drive to the track history but you also see the huge disappointment lap three john hunter nemacek in the gibbs car takes you out <laughs> there's yeah. no other really way to S- say it's out so how do you deal with that or have you dealt with it <laughs> Since
1: I saw him Sunday after Phoenix in the, like, entryway to a, uh, the uh, hotel, and I said, hey. I stood in front of his car and, and gave him a gesture, and then <laughs> I said, hey, I hate you right now. And he goes, I know. I'm sorry. I should have called you or something. And I said, no, no, it's good. I was just like, you know, it'll be reciprocated at one point, <laughs> just so you know. And, you know, it was as matter of fact as Frank as, like, someone could be. Yeah. And then we chatted, and we were fine, but I was like, you know, we're not even yet. So because – he literally just drove through us. Right. And for, like, lap three. Lap three, we're in fifth or sixth place, wherever we're at. There's just no – there's nothing to gain there. They're losing nothing. He drove to the lead anyway from that point on. Like, there's just – it was just a very ill fi- – you know, it's just a stupid move. And, you know, it really set us back because I think on that day we would have scored a, a whole stage point. So – and we probably would have easily finished in the top ten. We're still going to finish the top ten, having to come back on that last run from like 14th. So, a day hurt us, and you know, didn't appreciate it.
0: I guess what was surprising to me too is like, I mean, he's not in the exact same position as you are in your career, but he's been through like a, ser- a, a similar journey, and yeah. <laughs> You know, he had his kind of shot early. Then he went to Cup and ran that full year with Front Row. Then he said, I'm going to go back to the Truck Series. And now he's kind of back in. Ex- I can't give him dispensation or whatever or leeway <laughs> for, like, hey, he's just a young driver. Just no. Like, no. He's, he <laughs> kind of knows. He, and he knows what you're dealing with, too. That's what surprises me about it. The
1: funniest videos. part was, right before the race at Driver Intros, we were chatting. And we were like, man, it's cool. We're here in the Xfinity Series together. Like, yeah, wow, I mean, what a journey that this B-log. has yeah. been. Yeah. Like, whatever. I, I was like, yeah, man, it's cool. Like, we've never had an issue. I know I've seen him have some issues with other drivers and and there's a lot of people that feel that he you know does those moves often but I've never had an issue with him personally. We've raced each other a ton in the trucks and in Xfinity and and I think even a little bit in Cup. Yeah, we did in Cup in 2019 and never had an issue. And you know I always thought like hey, he's a pretty good driver like, you know, guy wins races and does a great job and whatever and yeah, I was just like what what was that, man? Like what are you doing? Yeah of all guys like at some point I said to someone at some point you have to be responsible for the nose of your race car just like if you run in the back of someone on the road you got to be responsible you're going to take responsibility for that when I made a boneheaded move at Daytona and finally saw the replay I was like well yeah that was my fault that was 100% my fault that was pretty dumb I'm sorry when I spun out Sheldon Creed I was like I'm sorry that was not intended not even a little bit but you know I was I was in a position like look I made a mistake I'm sorry so you'll have that big time auto racing, but we've we've had an initiation by uh by the flame this first four races. But hopefully we can clean it up here going forward.
0: You're still 12th in points. You're still making the most out of what you've had. I want to change the young driver narrative to something a little bit more positive because what I've noticed so far this year, Parker, and again maybe uh, I'm overanalyzing like all sports writers journalists do, but <laughs> um, there's you who I think. Is a great story. Josh Berry obviously uh, has made the championship round X Xfinity as a winner in Xfinity, but now getting the opportunity in the nine car. Your buddy Ryan Truex finishes second at Phoenix. That was he, awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. And he's one of those guys who I you know, I'd put him in kind of your class, your your category of you know, if only these guys got the shot for like a full yep. season, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe they would they would be in the cup series. Does it seem is it my imagination or is the narrative changing maybe a little where it seems like younger drivers like, you know, yourself, or Josh Berry, or Ryan Truex, are you guys getting more opportunities? Is it, it, it feels like it's changing. So. Yeah, yeah. I, mean,
1: I, I don't know if, you know, what, seven years ago, if a Josh Berry gets the chance he's getting right now with, with Dale's team and, and to be in the nine car. and He did a great job this past weekend at Phoenix. I know I do. I don't because I didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> couldn't get these opportunities. Ryan, you know, I know he's been in out of different deals, but – I think he's you know, in a good position of trying to do quality over quantity in that 19 car, which he's done a good job of these last two years. And so I think it's about just trying to follow the path that gives you the best opportunity to win. Because at the end of the day, you have to win, right? What got me this ride was winning in the Truck Series. What will get me to continue here, and I'm not even going to talk about the other side because that's part of my to myself this year is blinders on that. Like I don't even care about, I don't even look at the other stuff going on this is the only thing to me that matters is winning this series. You know, if I win, everything takes care of itself, right? And I I think for guys like myself, Josh Berry, you know, we're 32 years old. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was this huge push of younger, younger, younger. I don't know if I get that same sense. And I think people are getting very smart about the analytics of understanding that, personally, what I know about myself and what I've seen, I wouldn't hire a driver under the age of 28. I don't even know, like, unless it's a William Byron or Kyle. Le- like, you know, yeah. there's obviously outliers to everything, but I think predominantly there's a massive benefit to experience in age in the sport. And it's very evident with the analytics that say, what, the peak age is 39 for a NASCAR Cup Series driver. There's a reason for that, right? So I think it's a very fascinating thing. And I think the cool thing is you look at what's happening in the Cup Series and where the drivers are going to matter a ton because the cars are very similar. Obviously, the. Uh, intended and hopeful financial redesign and such that would make a driver even more valuable and performance-wise, and you think, all right, you know, Josh Berry right now has a legitimate shot of going to the Cup Series. Ryan Turex, if he can get into a full-time ride and win or win many races in that car, he might have a legitimate shot of being called to go to the Cup Series. Sammy Smith, on the opposite side of the spectrum, 18 years old, he has a legitimate shot of going to the Cup Series because he's winning. So I, I just think, you know, John Hunter, same situation. So it's a really fascinating time in that you, you have a level of talent uh, and that are in good enough rides to go win races. And there's not a flood of cup drivers in there. But as you put it, it's like, it's not for the big three young, tw- 18, 20 year olds. Right. It's like a mix of 32 year olds and 18 year old, the 26, you know, it's like, it's all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating. Austin Hill. I mean, he's what 29, 28. So, it's kind of interesting uh, it but it feels exciting. like the
0: pendulum sort of swung back a little bit where it's yeah. we want guys who are maybe a little bit more mature a little bit more experience I think there's
1: I think teams have learned there's an element of professionalism that comes with experience and age right it's a it's a not easy I don't want to say that but it's maybe a more a slightly more enjoyable working relationship work environment right um we've gone through a period of a lot of young kids brash and Wrecking, you know, that and that thing becomes right. a tough thing for these organizations who are trying to just perform at a high level. Yeah, so I think you know, if someone asked me, You'll like this. So the <laughs> other day in Phoenix, they were like, Sell <laughs> me on the Xfinity series. And I said, You want to know what's funny about the Xfinity series? In just four races what I've noticed, and I guess I just didn't realize doing the TV side, and I wish I had because I think this would have been the best thing on TV. I said, Of the top 12, maybe 13, or maybe there's 14 cars and drivers in the Xfinity series, every single one of them. Thinks on any given day they're going to get called to go to the Cup Series. (laughs) That's the Xfinity Series, and that's why they race so hard. And like, because it's like, if I win today, tomorrow, that's the call that comes that gets me to the top level. And I don't know if I really paid attention to that, but it's a really fascinating thing because you start to realize at the pointy end of this field, there's only one step from there, and that's the Cup Series. And so it's a very, I think it's a fascinating mentality in this series that. It's professional. It's a high level. It's the second, you know, it's one of the biggest in the world. But everyone there is thinking, but I could, I could get there. Yeah. Because <laughs> look what just happened with Josh Berry. And, exactly.
0: And on top of all that, like, it's interesting to me, I I just looked this up, and you're 32, he's 32, Ryan Truex 30. It's like everybody's sort of, or not everybody, a, a lot of these guys, I think, are in that range where, like you said, late 20s, early 30s, now's the time to make it happen. But at the same time, you're running for big machine racing and the the number 48, and you just said it blinders on. When Josh Berry gets the number nine ride, you're not think you're not even thinking like, it hey, why cool. didn't they call me? <laughs> no, I,
1: I oh, not even a little bit, but I, I thought it was you know super cool to see him be successful. I talked to him at Vegas at the driver intro and I, I knew because I went and drove that next gen car for Rick Ware at Gateway last year with zero sim. Got a call on a Tuesday hopped in the thing. The thing lit on, you know, our primary car lit on fire in four laps. <laughs> I got in right. a backup car right. and I was running 27th on the lead lap. The other thing I, I, to this day, I said to someone, possibly my greatest performance that will never be known nor talked about was that day in that car. <laughs> Having never driven one of those things, never even sat in the, the seat, wasn't my seat. Like it was, there were so many things where I was just like, that shouldn't happen. But I just, it was one of those days where I just said, all right, bud, like just do something here. So that was super cool. But the, the Josh Berry deal, what was even funny to me is watching him go run top 10 and knowing that on the long run there in the, I think it was the end of, or in the middle of stage three, we had a long run in the Xfinity series, or the Xfinity Series race. I was, I, he and Allgaier had, I think the newer tires ever had gotten by me. And then I started to run them back down by a couple of tenths and was just catching him to go to the bottom to pass him when the caution came out. And I was like, all right, that guy's running top 10 in cup. I'm just, I'm <laughs> running him down on a long run, <laughs> in a backup car. Let's go. <laughs> Love it.
0: Love it. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the wear thing. I just looked that up. I'd totally forgotten about your cup that's start there at Gateway. My one next gen experience. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, despite the inauspicious beginnings to it, uh, you, you did complete all the laps. You finished 31st. Uh, and
1: we, the last restart, we got juked by some new tires and that sort of stuff. But we, we were, uh, I think, in the top 30 at when that Most caution came out. Yeah. And I say it was the hardest thing because, and what, what Josh did at Vegas was probably even harder with the expectation on that car and such. But because those cars, I know Dale Jr. talks about it a lot, they just, every feel point is entirely different. Every thing, you know sensation and thing you feel in those cars is entirely new compared to what the other cars are. So the braking is weird, the steering is different, the tire is different, the aero is different, the sound is different, the seating position is entirely different. Every sensory input you have is feels different. So you then have to just jump in that thing and be as good as the best drivers in the world who are being paid the highest amount outside of Formula 1 and do that right away in 15 minutes. Like, that is an incredibly hard task that Josh Berry undertook at Vegas. I think, you know, did a commendable job, but then, you know, with a little preparation, excelled at Phoenix. And, you know, that's Well, that, cool that's
0: thing. sort of one I would touch on because he said it, Josh Berry said it after Phoenix, that he felt like he was a little unfairly judged at oh, Vegas. 100%. But to your point you're gonna give and I guess he had like a throttle problem during the race that like affected him of too. Course. Yeah, but like it doesn't even matter. I don't like, even care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but like like you said, like he's gonna get judged like you're gonna get judged in that Rick Rare car gateway, even though it exploded in the opening laps <laughs> or whatever. You're still gonna get judged well, okay, fine, but like let's see what you do in the race against the best drivers. Yeah, best driver's is a backup car America. that literally got built there. I, yeah. I,
1: that must be a trend for me. Um, <laughs> it literally they it was a shell of a car on Saturday and on that day. I'll never. That was the funny story where Corey Joy walked up to me as my car is sitting there <laughs> smoldering beside the garage and he said, Welcome back to the show. <laughs> yeah.
0: Another guy who uh, fits right into this conversation. Great, great.
1: Yeah, yeah he's kicking ass too, man. It's yeah, cool. It's yeah. cool to see. Yeah. Hey, maybe we could all end up there one day. Who knows? It would you be know, cool. It's competitive time. If they ever. I know we had the race to uh, the championship show, but one of these days someone's going to make. There is a cutthroat and brutal sense to what's about to occur, I think, to be one of those 36 drivers in Cup yeah. in the next four or five years. Yeah. It's going to be immensely tough. And if you're there, it will be very rewarding, but also excruciatingly high pressure.
0: Sounds like it's time for another drive to survive, NASCAR style, but maybe... I don't have know. You done this way. Uh, we'll see. Something illustrates it that way. All right. Before I let you get out of here, speaking of Drive to Survive, I, I know Atlanta's coming up next for you, but uh, you mentioned Coda. Mm-hmm. Are you sticking around for the cup race at Coda?
1: Uh, I guess I didn't even think about that because of Jensen being there yeah, and yeah, mean, Kimmy. And Kimmy? I guess, That's you so know, cool.
0: somebody like yourself. I just figured if there's ever going <laughs> to be a race you're going to stick around for, it'd be this one.
1: I know. I would love to. Damn. I, I've just, my travel has been so crazy. The last, you know, I've, I've been living out of my, my carry on bag for six weeks. Yeah. So I've, I have a, washer-dryer, but it's been very tough. <laughs> I was thinking of trying to go, and Mondays Mondays are highly important. It's my busiest day of the week. We do meetings and simulator post and, and pre, and like, it's a very busy day. So it's that is TBD, cool. I guess. Yeah, TBD. I think I'll probably come home, Yeah, and then I will be a I Very guess you'll see those guys, guys there that, that that weekend, I, regardless. Yeah, like, I mean, they'll be around. I yeah. ugh, I won't have a single moment. That schedule that's true. last year when I did the truck Xfinity on the, sit, you know, it's back to back practice qualifying, practice qualifying, and then it's back to back races. With like, I think last year I had like 15 minutes between. I ate a banana and chugged some water <laughs> and then jumped in the Xfinity car, and that is a, a long day. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. We'll we'll see. But we'll I see. I'm pumped to see. That's cool. Like, Jensen coming,
0: Kimmy coming. Like, right. I'm Jimmy, telling you, Jimmy's in the Jimmy's race. In the Jordan the race. Taylor's in the race. Jordan I mean, like, Taylor's. This is wild. <laughs> Connor Daly is in the race. Connor Daly's in the race. Like this it's just like so cool. <laughs> like how did the stars align for like these five guys to be and two of them in, making their Cup debuts in a Cup it's race together? It's crazy.
1: spectacular. And I'm telling you, my level of confidence in that NASCAR is just sitting on a a powder keg of ex, of. Opportunity and possibility in the next couple years is just more emboldened by what we're seeing here. And uh, my sister, who's an LA-based, and all her friends, whoever wanted to come to the races and all this stuff, and she gets—you know—she's very entwined with the music world and social media influencers and all these people. And that everyone was just like, "Wow, I'd love to go to a NASCAR. Like NASCAR looks so cool." Yeah. And I'm like, "Just give it time. Give it time. <laughs> once we make them care, we got to get people to care. But once they care, you know, I love F1." And it's been my favorite thing for a long time. But the amazing thing about what has occurred there is that people care highly about the reality show aspect of it all, right? But the actual product, the thing they, everything centers around, is not the most compelling thing on the planet. It is if you know what to look for, but it's not the most compelling. I'm sitting here being like, the storylines, the pressure, what's, about, what's occurring in the Cup Series is 10x or 100x. The level was hoping, happening over there. There's more stories, more people, more opportunity for stories. And you have a, on track a product that I believe is far superior in terms of entertainment. So.
0: The story writes itself, as we like to say in my biz. If we it's all, all the ingredients are there. It, yeah. You just got to tell it.
1: You got to yeah. tell it. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's available. But I'm excited to be at least a fringe part of it uh, right now. <laughs> and hopefully i will be a uh, main story by the end of the year of the xfinity series but it's it's been a blast and you know it's just super cool to have an
0: opportunity we're enjoying following it so uh you're never a fringe player in our world thanks for <laughs> thank as you. always for being a part of the nascar nbc podcast parker it's good to see you again
1: appreciate it buddy thank you
0: we appreciate parker cligerman for joining us on the nascar nbc podcast thanks to motorsports manager emily Conboy for coordinating this episode and again, thanks to Parker for giving up an hour of his very busy schedule to stop by the NASCAR NBC Sports Charlotte studio to make this happen. As always, you can find more news, columns, and analysis on NASCAR Talk and Motorsports Talk on NBCSports.com. Please visit NBCSports.com/NASCAR or NBCSports.com/Motors. If you have any NASCAR NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human.
1: Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of.
0: At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh,